0: 178, Almost Persuaded, if you want to mark that down. And then Children's Church, uh, uh, 12 and under. would like to go over for that. Looks like you guys are going to have a big time. Uh, they've got some fun stuff planned for you, so we'll go ahead and dismiss for Children's Church. Good looking group, heading over. All right. Friday, got all the kids off to uh, church this morning. Again, good to see everybody here, and it's, it's certainly uh, always a privilege for me to share in God's Word with you, and uh, as we are drawing closer to Christmas, seems like uh, really the end of this year is picking up and moving on at a pretty quick pace. I hope, and it's my prayer, that somehow you have had a chance to tell someone about Christ or be Christ to someone so far this Christmas season. And if you've not, maybe that chance will come uh, that we can do that. That's my prayer. And I hope that maybe this message this morning will help to equip us to do that a little bit better. You may or may not realize or know that on December the 21st, for the first time in almost 800 years, Jupiter and Saturn will line up in order to uh, create what is known as the Christmas star. Uh, The best time to see that star will be one hour after sunset in the southwest sky. Now the scientific community does not call this the Christmas star, they call this event the Great Conjunction. And in fact, this, this happens every 20 years but it does not happen on Christmas every 20 years. It is a much more rare event when these planets line up to see this. Uh, In fact, uh, as close as it is right now with this conjunction on Christmas, it was 1623 the last time this happened. There's also a thing called a triple conjunction uh, when it uh, Jupiter and Saturn and the sun all line up to create a very bright star in the sky. And scientists going through uh, their astronomy, looking back, determined that one happened about the time of the birth of Christ. It's that triple conjunction when it's the brightest. So I, I hope that we have clear weather on the uh, Monday it'll be a week from tomorrow that that will be happening and uh, i hope that we're able to step outside and look at that uh, just a warning the scientists now say there is no correlation between this star appearing in the sky and the events of 2020 and that we should just simply go out and look up and enjoy the the view of the universe and ponder our place in it well I've got a little news for the <laughs> Genesis chapter one, verse 14 says this, and it's for us too. Then God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night. Let them be for signs and seasons for days and years. That's what God said about the lights that are in heaven. I'm just gonna leave that right there for you to ponder on because there's no doubt That I know one thing for sure. If there is ever a year, and if there's ever been a time in my lifetime when man needed a sign from God, it's this year. Can I get an agreement with that from anybody? Now, I don't believe it's a coincidence that this star is going to appear this year. This close to Christmas. On December the 21st, of course, is when that will happen. It's not a coincidence. I think it may be there to give us a reminder of our hope, to strengthen our faith, and to draw our attention and focus even closer in on the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, there's another time that God provided a star. We sung a couple songs about that this morning. A star of hope, a star of faith, A star that pointed to love. Wise men followed that star, and they found Jesus. I guess you could say, and that's how I I titled this morning's sermon, GPS, God Provided a Star. And that's what I want to talk about and look at, study, and think about this morning is that star that God provided and, and, and the guiding light. But more than that, I want to go back a couple thousand years ago And think about and discuss what happens when you follow that star. So if you would turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, and that's going to be the basis of our study this morning, Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. And Matthew records this. He says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. Saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Just like those wise men. Those wise men who were searching for Christ. We ourselves have searched for Christ and sought his guidance in our lives, his will in our lives. And I'd venture to say that most all of us have asked specifically God for guidance. We follow that guidance, hopefully, just like the wise men. I know myself, very common for me to ask God to show me the way. Give Give me a sign of what I need to do. Show me a way. Show me where I need to go in this decision. And I think that that's something that we always need to be willing to do, is to ask God, for direction and then follow the leading of the Holy Spirit because that's why the Holy Spirit is there. But when we follow God's wills for our lives, we will discover a few things, and that's what I want to look at this morning. First thing, I think sometimes we'll, we'll discover that sometimes following God's will uh, or following God even can be dangerous. Following God can be dangerous. Sometimes people think that following God is, is going to be safe. Might even use it as kind of a perceived yardstick for our lives to live. That if everything's going well in our lives and we don't have any any kind of disruption or any kind of trouble, then we must be doing what God has us to do. And then on the other hand of that, if, if if we're having difficulties, if we're having troubles and trials and tribulations, then I must be living outside of God's will. That's not what the scripture tells us. Because we can take hope. The scripture shows us many examples of people who followed God, followed his will, and they had neither a safe nor a secure life. We just have to understand that sometimes it could be dangerous. Do we remember Moses? God calling him to the desert and back to the court of, or through the desert, back to the court of Pharaoh, and then ultimately back out in the desert again? Was he safe? And secure. What about Paul? Think about poor old Paul, everything that had happened to him, stoned, beaten, shipwrecked, always on the run, finally jailed and, and, and executed. Where was his safety and security by following God? And I'm not saying that as something that's negative. I'm just saying when we stand out and step out for Christ, it doesn't mean that it's going to be smooth sailing. What about the disciples? All but John. All but John was executed. Where was their safety? Where was their security? It cost them something. Now maybe some of us realize that, you know what, I've, I've experienced some ridicule. I've experienced some prejudice because I follow Christ and I make it known And I think that we should expect that. Jesus says that we'll have trouble in this life. And I think that we should expect that. And expect that that if we stand for Christ, if we're trying to live in God's will, we're going to experience difficulties. The fact is that following God may not always be the easiest. Sometimes it could be difficult. And in other parts of the world, dangerous we, we take for granted the blessing that we don't have to worry about some militant militia coming into our community, gathering up all the men and killing them and taking all the women back to their village and community to use as, as whatever kind of slave they want them to be. We don't think about that because it don't happen here, but it happens in other places. And it happens to Christians a lot. Christians are killed a lot, especially over in Africa. They're killed just simply because they're Christians, not because they've done anything wrong. We don't think about that here in the United States. We sometimes take for granted the great blessing that we have for our security and our safety, while other Christians live in fear of their lives. So being a Christian is not always the safest path to take. And I pray that we never experience anything like that here in this country. We can also find out something else. We can see that God's way may not always be clear. The wise men went to Herod, we know, seeking out Christ, the king. They had seen his star in the east, but it still wasn't really clear where they were to be found, where he was to be found at that point. What do we do when we ask God for a sign? What do we do when we ask God for guidance and we don't see it? Or maybe his answer is no. Do we then revert to look for a feeling? Well, I have a feeling or I believe that uh, it's how I feel about something. The Bible tells us that feelings can be deceptive. Don't they? Do we look for a formula or maybe a bargain? God, if you will... Fill in the blank. I will fill in the blank. I haven't found that anywhere in the scripture either. And that's really like putting God in a box. Or as I've seen it illustrated before, in your shirt pocket, pull him out and rub his head like a genie whenever you want to use him. And stick him back in there when you don't. Maybe we just freeze up and don't do anything. We stop moving forward. We don't don't go any direction side to side. We just freeze up and don't do anything at all. Well, the scriptures can give us some guidance in this area. Turn with me over to Psalm 37, verses 23 and 24. The psalmist says this, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. And those are comforting words. Those tell me that as long as I am trying to stay in God's will and trying to be led by the Holy Spirit, that God's going to guide my path. And when I stumble, when I fall, God's hands are right there to catch me. And that's what we can understand. We're not going to be perfect in everything that we do. But we can be perfect in our hearts trying to please God, but we're still going to be human. We're going to mess up. The thing is, is, is what I want to try to improve on uh, each and every, every day is I don't want to stumble with the knowledge of what I'm doing is incorrect because that's disobedience. I want to be, if I stumble, I want it to be out of my own ignorance that I did something I didn't think about or didn't know about being wrong because I want to be found that's trying to be guided by God's light. I want him to guide my steps. And that's what we have to do. That desire has to be that we want God to, do, to guide our steps. It's like these wise men. They use the star to guide their steps. We saw his star in the east, so they began to follow that star. They're moving in that direction. They were guided by that star that God placed there for them. We have a guidance system too. It's God's word. It's God's word, and we can open it up and we can see the mind and the heart and the love and the grace and the compassion that God has for each and every one of us if we follow it. But sometimes we choose to deviate from it. Sometimes we find something that doesn't uh, set well with me because it it means that I have to give up something that I want, a fleshly desire. A fleshly hope. I have to give that up in order to follow God's star, God's GPS, so to speak. And we we kind of turn the page on that section. That doesn't mean that we're being guided by God's steps. It means rather, in fact, that we are taking a detour around it. Let us desire to be guided by the Lord. If God brings us, this is a familiar saying for many people, and, I, and there's a lot of truth to this. If God brings us to it, he will bring us through it. And we can, as Christians, have faith to know that, as the scripture actually tells us, it says that there is no temptation that we'll experience, and this is me paraphrasing, that God cannot make a way to escape, okay? And that's what the scripture says. And we can anytime find ourselves when we're tempted or about to do something, there is a method, a way for us to escape it. And that's a lot of comfort. And we should take that comfort as well. And then we find something else. That following God is often the more difficult path. Following God's often the more difficult path. People. Sometimes make that mistake, thinking that God's the easy way. It'll be a walk in the park. We might even make the mistake, and I hope that we don't, and if we do, I hope that we stop. If you're talking with someone that doesn't have a relationship with Christ, that doesn't know who God is, please don't, don't paint a rosy picture for them, that you'll never have no trouble. All your problems are going to be solved. You'll never be sick, you'll never be short of money, you'll never lose your job, you and your wife will never fight, your kids are gonna be perfect. Don't tell them stuff like that because it's just simply not true. We're never alone when we have those problems, when we have that relationship, but that doesn't insulate us from having those problems. Mark chapter eight, verse 34, Jesus tells us this, and we should take this to heart He says, whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. There's three parts there that Jesus is talking about. The first thing is denying ourselves. And that means we have to die to our own desires, our own wants and those things that would, fleshly desires that would would not be that in keeping with God's word. And sometimes we're, that's the biggest battle That's the biggest battle for us is to deny ourselves. I talked about that when you bypass something that you know you you shouldn't be doing that you do do. You know, Paul had trouble with that. He says, I do that which I know I shouldn't, and I don't do that which I know that I should. So it's not, I'm not saying if we have difficulties with that that that's uncommon because the Apostle Paul had that same issue. But we have to work daily. Denying ourselves. Work daily in commanding ourselves to think more like God and less like me. Because if you're left to my own devices, I will do something up. So Jesus says the first thing that we have to do is deny ourselves. Deny that fleshly lust. And then he says, take up your cross. Take up his cross, actually. What does that mean for us to take up the cross of Christ? Well, we simply follow Christ's example. I think that's the best way of understanding that, taking up the cross. We we exhibit compassion with people. We model ourselves after what Jesus taught and how Jesus lived. We were righteous in the way that we acted. We were obedient to what God's word said, what God's will was. Remember, Jesus always, always said, I am sent here to do the will of my Father. Even in the garden, even when he was praying, right before he knew the the worst part of his life was about to take place, Father, you can remove this cup, he said, and and again, I'm paraphrasing, paraphrasing, he said, you can remove this from me, but not my will, thy will be done. That's part of taking up your cross. Being more like Christ today than you were yesterday is part of taking up your cross. When you see the opportunity to share the gospel with someone or to be Christ to someone, you take it instead of looking the other way and walking aside. You try to be the picture of Christ on this earth. That's bearing our cross. And follow him. How do, if we were to follow Christ, what would we do? Very much like taking up your cross, but to follow Jesus means that we follow God's word because Jesus' only desire was to do the will of that who had sent him, or the Father in heaven. And if we follow God's will, we go right back to Psalms. What happens? The steps of a good man are are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in them. And even if he should stumble or fall, his hands lift him up. So there's the wisdom of this. Is that we need to desire to try to be closer to God, be more compassionate, die to ourselves so that we can be pleasing servants. And that's what we see with, with this star. And it's, we don't think about it because we get zeroed in on, on, and nothing wrong with Christmas obviously, but we get zeroed in on that, but we realize there is so much more that we can learn from even the wise men. So much more that we can learn from their story. Jesus says it's going to be difficult to follow him. As hard as carrying the big old heavy wooden cross. As hard as denying all of your wants and desires. Remember what the scripture says. What are we to seek first? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and then all of these things shall be added unto you. So our priorities have to be seeking first the kingdom of God. And then those things can be added. But God is always first. Think back to the wise men. You think that trip that they made was an easy one? We often think about and associate Christmas with the difficulties of Mary and Joseph and most certainly they were. Moving across uh, miles of travel upon horseback we'll just call it the back of a, a donkey or a mule I guess her very close to giving birth we think about those difficulties but what about the the, the magi I think it was, it was an easy trip for them much further trip for them in fact and we'll learn much more about that next week because that's going to be part of our Christmas sermon next Sunday do you think they had a safe trip? Do you think they knew exactly where they were going? Remember, they were following a star, and it was probably for at least several weeks and could have been up to several months. But I want us to think about this also, when you see that, that picture. And, and it's my favorite Christmas card. It's when you see uh, anytime you got the star, the Wise Men and Bethlehem or a, a manger scene uh, all, all on the same card? That's my favorite. Because think about the wise men, just for a second. What happened when they came to the end of their journey? They were following this star. They had stopped even off to ask Herod, told what was going on. We're seeking out. We've seen his star in the east. This who's born the king of the Jews. What happened at the end of their journey? They found Jesus. They found Jesus at the end of their journey. And that's the most important thing that any of us can do is to seek out Christ and find him. And he's not far. And he's not hard to find. We just have to be seeking him out. And when they found Christ, they were filled with joy. They were happy that they found him. And that's there for us also. That's In fact, that's God's will for us is to seek out Christ, to find him, and to spend the rest of our lives following him, worshiping God through him, through his example. And we'll finish up with this scripture. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. And it should be encouragement to us. Yeah, Hebrews eleven six, 6 but without faith it is impossible to please him for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder and listen to this of them that diligently seek him are you diligently seeking out are you diligently seeking out God the Father are you diligently seeking out Christ the Son Are you diligently allowing yourself to be led by God, the Holy Spirit, in your life? Have you found Christ this Christmas? Signs have been all around us. More people seem to be decorating, uh, and you see more manger scenes. I'm tickled with that. More manger scenes about the area. People are pulling out stuff I I guess they've not had in years. And you see more manger scenes. Are our minds getting back to truly what Christmas is? That star, that star that pointed to love? That star that guides to hope? That star that gives us faith? If you've just found Christ this Christmas... That's the greatest discovery. That's the greatest gift that you can ever find. We're going to have a hymn of invitation here in just a minute. And if you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and you've heard that and you believe it, and you're willing to confess him as your Savior, if you're willing to repent of your sin, to turn and to be guided by the Holy Spirit, you're willing to be buried with him in baptism for the remission of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit raised a new creation, walking forward, following Christ, following Christ's example. The invitation is for you today. Maybe, maybe you've made that decision some time ago, but that star is a little dimmer than it was when you were younger. It's dimmer because of the weights and the worries of this world. It's dimmer because of what we're going through and have been going through for the past 12 months. Our hope is not, it does not reside, has never resided in this world. Our hope is something in the future to come. To be reunited, to be called up, to call out, to take our place as heirs in heaven it can be brightened again when we realize that we're going to sing a hymn of invitation almost persuaded 178 the first and the second verse if you have a decision to make this morning I want to encourage you to make that as we come or as we stand and sing would you please come